Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz, Episode 4, Sexual Assault, The Shame, The Sharing, and The Faith, Part 2. The feedback from Part 1 with our guest Ariella Maro has been tremendous, and I anticipate you will find the continuation of our conversation thoughtful and impactful. Ariella also sponsored this podcast, and to quote her, this is in honor of my siblings, two women and one young man who are truly people of strength and valor, my pillars. And in special gratitude to Chabad at Brandeis, a place whose inspiration and indelible impression on my life has transcended time and distance. For further sponsorship opportunities, please email parrots at anewconvo.com. It's a very um, rich and also nuanced perspective that you have. You know, you mentioned earlier and, and so proudly saying this is not, this doesn't identify me, this doesn't define me. And you mentioned that as well about the men who've done it, where, where perhaps they also shouldn't be defined by that mistake, especially the men who are going to acknowledge it and be willing to grow from it. And so coming back to the Kavanaugh hearings, Mm -hmm. um, I know he's denied the allegations of having sexually assaulted women. And um, look at his record, a wonderful judge, eloquent, you know, pillar of his community, a father, a husband you know, active in his religious society, et cetera, et cetera. An upstanding person who may have made mistakes. Um, this is the time, this is the day where men, as you said, are not defined by mistakes of their past. None of us should. We can all grow. We can all be better people. When we're young, we're young. <laughs> Youth is a challenging time okay to discover who you are and i think people are a product of their time what's what was acceptable then is not acceptable now we're better um men and women i think should feel that they are enough it is okay um they deserve their accomplishments they deserve to be loved they are lovable despite or maybe because of all the challenges that they've been through but this is the day to embrace our past um speak loud so part of my post was speak up if we're not talking about it we're not advancing it so my hope is that you know me joining the many 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 other women um who are now speaking about their sexual assault that our voices together will give um a i i wrote it i wrote it as a note like we'll sing a a note we'll give music so singular and unified um that we will bring change um and i know the world is changing um this is part of it i am so honored to have the privilege to come and share my story with your listeners um this is exactly the kind of 
um, public way that I want my story to contribute to change. Um, so I guess I would encourage any of the listeners, you know, maybe there's one, one survivor of sexual assault out there listening. Um, speak up. Don't ever be ashamed. Tell your story. Um, if you know someone who has been sexually assaulted, ask them about it. Um, they don't need your pity, right? And I'm sure you don't. You know I don't need your pity. Um, they want to stand together with you. Um, and if I change one life, if I make one experience better, if I prevent one assault, if I change one man, one father, one son, um, this is all worth it. Um, and I guess that's part of my faith that I know this happened to me just as part of everything about God's plan for me. Um, can, can you speak more to that about the word faith where, you know, when it was happening, you blamed yourself pretty much post it happening you took karate so you can physically become strong in the hopes of preventing this from ever happening again um probably took you many more years to become mentally strong um and then you mentioned faith which is another dimension perhaps a competing element of letting go and realizing no matter how much karate you take or no matter how much sharing you do or therapy you go through um there's a ma- there there's faith is an important element to you. So if you can if you can speak to why 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 is it so and is it because you're a Jewish woman? Um, I'm gonna answer that partially. Okay. So uh, I grew up in an Orthodox home, um, and as a teen. Um, I had two sides of my life. I had the part of me that was an Orthodox Jewess, and then I had the part of me that had a very healthy sexual appetite, and never the twain met when I was young, okay? And so you were either a good girl or you were not a good girl in the house that I grew up in. And going out and having fun with boys and you know putting putting yourself in a situation where somebody could take advantage of you was not being a good girl and so i think in in the short period of time after i was assaulted there was definitely a sense of that's not what god wants from his from his girls that this was bad you an orthodox girl doesn't have sex doesn't isn't sexual before she's married isn't and that meant suppression of my of part of my identity um and so there was a part of me that i couldn't be authentic about um and it took me many years to reconcile that you are, that i am a good person and I don't want to say good girl um, that I am whole I am a whole person 
including my sexuality, even outside of marriage. And it took me a very long time to be okay with that. That that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Um, or a bad Jew, also. Well said. Or a bad Jew. And that, and that God still loves me. Mm. And I can still have faith. And that I it's okay to cultivate a, a, a closeness with God and 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 it took me a long time to reconcile that with things that in my mind were bad that I was punished for and that yes I think that's where the acceptance had to come in and that's where the maturity comes in I think as a 17 year old it's really hard to understand that subtlety of of um living in one body with um on one hand orthodox judaism and on the other hand um sexuality mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily embraced out of the confines of a marriage mm-hmm. um in in i think in in a lot of quote-unquote very modern orthodoxy or, or what some i think in orthodox would consider not outside of the bounds of orthodoxy i think there is a space and i think more on a college campus and um, with a you know a liberal more liberal perspective like at brandeis i feel like there is a safe space for people like me Mm. and like i was i felt at brandeis that there was a safe space for me to be a whole person and i guess in hindsight i was very lucky that i went there i didn't apply actually to any other college that's the only place that i wanted to go but uh, you know, with its very thriving Jewish population, with people like you and your husband who are so welcoming of people who are orthodox, of people who are not Shabbat observant and not keeping kosher, but you just accept people where they are. I, perhaps that was a very healthy place for me to go next mm-hmm. that helped me embrace who I was in my entirety, including my sexuality, including my exploration of how orthodox or religious I wanted to be or I didn't want to be and that was a safe space to explore that part of who I was and and that I guess is part of faith of recognizing that God has you where he wants you to be um, it's not an accident and talk if and isn't that weird to say that God allowed me to be sexually assaulted as part of a plan for how long have you been saying that statement to yourself i think i just said it for the first time (laughs) i don't know wow um that's a big mm. statement or for you it's not it's is it reassuring in this unusual way is it soothing um I I think in my mind my whole life is with with God next to me I am where I am be, because of a plan and that isn't only with what we perceive as good it is good I, that's my philosophy. I think that's not, perhaps not everybody identifies with that. Um, it's a hard thing to say when bad things happen in your life or scary mm-hmm. challenges and 
certainly for another podcast, um, this isn't perhaps the most challenging or scary thing that has happened to me in my life. Um, uh, so I really do believe that. Um, and I think a tremendous part of my strength is knowing that um, God doesn't give a challenge that you can't overcome. Um, you have all the tools that you need to rise up and not just to survive, but to thrive. Um, and when I think about what positive... Um, what what good has come out of being sexually assaulted for me um it's really part of my armamentarium of <laughs> things that i draw on when the going gets tough you know when shit happens um and i need to i need to really muster up strength to overcome something very difficult um you know, I, lo I lost both my parents about a year and a half ago, and um, that was a big challenge. Um, when I am worried financially, where I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. Um, when I lost my job, um, all these things that are pretty difficult um i draw on all the things including being sexually assaulted to feel valiant and to remember that i'm fearless and to remember that god is with me and that nothing is by accident you know it all brings me to where i am today to be strong to be that wife mother doctor you know thank god people call me when they need help you know and i and i thank god for giving me the strength and part of that is thank you god for putting me through my measures and making me strong um so i guess i can't say thank you god for my sexual assault but thank you for giving me the strength to get through it and making me the woman i am today and i'm i'm pretty proud of that You should be. You most certainly should be. Yes. You're raising a son and a daughter. Um, how, how does these experiences play into your parenting? Wow. Um... Well, I'm really blessed to have a wonderful co-parent, um, my husband, who has a extraordinary regard for women. He grew up in a family of extremely strong women. Um, and in that regard, I think we transmit respect of all people to our children. Um, I know my son in particular, 
um, has sees an example of strong women around him who are successful and um, inherent in my husband's treatment and relationship with all of us. My my son has a wonderful example, um, and I look forward to discussing issues like this very frankly with my son when he's ready. I mean, obviously, six seven years old isn't the right time, um, but. You know, it's it's never too early to show an example of respect of another person, for love of another person, for sensitivity, for struggle. Um, and so all of those um, messages that you give your children are setting the stage for when you actually do talk to them more frankly about something like sexual assault, that it's out there, that those are not the boys that I want my son hanging out with, the ones that have perspective about that of women as objectification, etc., etc. But you can't just come to your child when they're an adolescent and all of a sudden the first time start talking to them. You set the, you set the groundwork now. And similarly for my daughter, um, similarly you plant seeds of being a strong woman, a person, a thinker, um, independence, um, self-reliance, all these messages, you start, you know, Hani, thank God, a mother of many children, you start those messages right when they come out of the womb. Yes. When you were 17 in Israel, you were independent, you were reliant, you certainly had confidence, at least in certain ways. So, but you also um, absorb tremendous shame and feelings of, of, of deserving this so-called consequence. Um, is there a way to address feeling of shame and not good enough? Um, I do that, actually. Yeah, I, now I understand your question better. Um, I am very conscious to acknowledge that my child may want something that I don't think is quote unquote good. Um, my son on Friday night wanted to play with his iPhone or our family like iPhone to watch videos. Okay. And he knows it's Shabbat and he knows he's not supposed to be playing with that after hours. Okay. Yes, we can all relate. <laughs> and I come home at 1020 at night and he, you know, he's like scurrying to like shamefully and and you see that they're like ashamed mm -hmm. to try to go plug it in you know what i mean and so a little bit of a little bit of shame is healthy in terms mm -hmm. of feeling embarrassed about wanting and doing this thing that he knows is prohibited so i said henry you know that's not allowed i know you want it and that's okay i know it's really fun and i acknowledge that he has inside of him this desire and then i said that's okay I know you really wanted it. It's hard to resist, okay? I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna put the phone away and we're always gonna put it away so that you, even though I know you want it, you're not gonna get it. Um, and I still love you and that's okay. I don't want you to hide it from me. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? And so I think I temper the catching or the understanding that my son has done something for lack of a better word, wanton. But I think I temper it with being like, it's okay, and I love you anyway. You're still all right. It's normal. Um, and nor I think, I don't know, I guess that's my perspective is like normalizing it. Like, you're not a bad person just because you want things that, quote unquote, maybe are bad for you. Or even do things that and do things perhaps are not supposed to be done in whatever culture or religion right. the person is in. 
what about you? Am I allowed to ask you questions in the podcast? Sure. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to yeah, do that. Of course you can. Oh. Do you think about shame or not shaming your kids and how that can affect them? And do you, do you parent in a way that maybe tries to mitigate that or no? I don't know what a good question is to ask. I think you asked it well. Um, yes, I probably... Um, I don't have a significant experience like you that... Um, it's so so strong and, and telling um, about shame, but shame is universal. And I, I would say everyone experiences shame. Um, and growing up in a Hasidic community in Brooklyn, there are small moments of feeling like we weren't supposed to do that or when I did something that I knew I wasn't supposed to do, not telling anyone. Um, and wondering how it would affect perhaps my my future shidduch, my the match that I was going to be set up with. Um, so so when raising children, like you, I, I'd like I, I we we as you know co-parent with parrots, um, but we each do it in different ways. We you, we normalize things. Like I understand you know, why you might want to do something. I mean, similar, you know, my, my children don't want to keep all the rituals of Shabbat or especially the, the pro- prohibitions of Shabbat. Um, as a woman, I think it will come up and perhaps has come up already subtly with my daughters, um, with with um, dress, standards of, of dress, of modesty as, as I was taught and how I'm... Um, role modeling it differently for them um discussing it differently with her um there's no inherent shame for example in our bodies you know um but like you so importantly said we first role model it and then in the right times and opportunities we 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 talk about it it could be a sentence just like i get it and move on and serve dinner and then there are times where a long conversation needs to happen. Um, you also mentioned something very important as well. Uh, a little dose or a dose of shame can be healthy. And um, we're not trying to strip away blushing, feeling uncomfortable, feeling sensitive to to expectations or standards or you know, ways of doing things. Um, but that has to shift and not be the same, you know, as we grow up. You know, you thought perhaps even God was punishing you. You know, that expectation of God, that interaction and understanding of God never shifted for you. Um, through young, you know, a young child thinking of God as someone who counts and, you know, doles out rewards and punishments. And as a 17-year-old, it didn't shift for you. And I, and I think um, shame has to shift. Um, and it only needs to be little. Maybe so rarely also. But um, perhaps um, it also shouldn't be that even when one feels a normal sense of shame, that one can't share it with someone else. That I'm not sure there is ever a place for that. When it comes time like to discuss sexuality with your daughter um how is it different than when you grew up and how it's going to be today 
or in a few years. I know for certain it will be different. For certain. I, I know that because when it was happening to me, I was already saying to myself, this is not how I would have liked it as a daughter, and I certainly won't do it as a mother. Um, but I also understand and value tremendously the way we grow up, which is not kind of normal, you know, where, where the genders are um, separated at a young age and um, there's less opportunities to socialize and mingle with, you know, the boys and girls and then men and women. Um, so it'll be up to me to at least start conversations with with them, my two daughters, um, normalize things. Every teenager, no matter what kind of community they grow up in, know that they're developing sexually and are trying to make sense of it and their desires, um, physical desires, emotional desires, um, even if there's an opportunity to play out on them. And I think I, I will be... It'll, I will make sure, it's my responsibility to bring it up, but also pay close attention to the subtleties of, of her. She's still young, but um, I think for me personally, it, one of the ways to begin it at a young age is um, a healthy sense of body, mm -hmm. of body image, and that I've begun since she was born, so... I don't want to ask you too many questions. You can. I, I can always delete you. it. <laughs> as long as you hear the answer, no. You totally can. Um, yeah, I think... I think parenting is different than... I mean, how old are you, honey? I will be 40 this year. Ooh. Yes, I am getting older. <laughs> you're not allowed to get older. Uh, I, know, I know, because then that means you're getting older. <laughs> Um, I think it, I think it is different there I mean in the in the and we can delete this but like I think in the within the Chabad community and the Hasidic community there's obviously less of of assault or or sex outside of marriage or all these things whatever but it's not immune can you pass me a napkin yeah it's it's not immune it's and not it's not immune and it's growing it's growing I, since I was a girl it's it's growing and then i think the the ability for a woman to speak up when something inappropriate has happened is also improving because of i think the the discourse um the more openness about a woman saying something um i think today women are more empowered to speak up hopefully that's my hope that even it will transcend and you know permeate into these more um, sheltered communities because I think even within them there are women who have had these experiences and the overlay this I you know obviously shouldn't go necessarily to like the college kids but like the overlay of 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 shame when you come from an orthodox place is just that much greater meaning I came from a very modern orthodox mm -hmm. family mm -hmm. you know what I mean but can only imagine trying to come to like you know it, within a Hasidic community to talk about being sexually assaulted or whatever the shame must be even greater you don't want this in the podcast? I don't know I think it's a fair question you asked 
about shame. Oh yes, the more the more tight knit and sheltered a community is, the greater the shame. Well, because the would, less tolerant would, of of the the more deviant the behavior, yes. and the less tolerant of the deviants. I guess I would hope that within that community there is a woman who has spoken out about what happened to her, so that at least people who don't necessarily want to go to their families or feel ashamed in that sense can at least have somebody who's experience they can relate to and draw on to help them work through all those 17 years that I worked through consciously or subconsciously of you know and especially with in in my college years where even just talking to you I realized this honestly that it was a place where I could feel whole and that it was okay to both be a Jewess and this woman with my sexual past and my sexual current Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and that Mm -hmm. was a safe place for me to cultivate my whole person. Um, extraordinary, really. Um, yes. And perhaps not a, a milieu that everybody has the privilege to be in. No, but I, I think you're right in that simply dialogue and issues that weren't spoken about are being spoken about. And this is one of them. You know, women and um, feeling stronger, you know, within themselves, feeling empowered, feeling um, comfortable talking about their sexuality as well as sexual assault. Um, And I think, you know, further at a place like Brandeis and especially in this sort of forum, um, it's an amazing way for, for men to come forward or boys. Like, and I don't know if they have, if they're too young to have that yet, but a place where they can also talk about, well, such and such that I did in high school, et cetera, et cetera. This is what happened. And this is what I want to work on and work on myself and grow. Mm. Like college is such a wonderful, rich place to do that. Take advantage, guys. <laughs> and, I, and, and I'm sure they're listening. Then, yeah. then adulthood comes. You have to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a just, rich time for personal growth, I think. I, I can't agree with you more. Yes. And that's one of our drives of, of doing these conversations, not just for college students. Um, yes, meaning we're on campus and so we get to think, we have the opportunity to think creatively because within four years so much can happen, but many people don't wisely interact with time. Ariella, thank you so much. And that doesn't even do justice. It's not a simple thanks. Um, reading it online and then speaking to you over the phone, but now sitting across from you and watching your eyes and seeing your facial gestures and movements, um, this may, may, will make this conversation very lasting in my mind and heart. And um, I, I, I feel lucky, um, like you mentioned, faith and, and, a, and a, things happen without us knowing and understanding why and there was a reason we met many many years ago and and i'm glad we feel comfortable with each other and continued a relationship that we can be sitting around your kitchen table talking about your story and um i know i'm certain that the listeners will will be listening and and wondering and questioning um their own stories and and others as well Thank you so much, Hani, for reaching out to me. Um, I had no idea uh, that this is what you wanted to talk about, but I am so grateful for this opportunity to 
explore really my feelings on this topic that I really had never done before in my whole life, um, you know, until recently. Um, thank you for giving me the platform to reach out to more people. Um, and really, that's really my goal um, is to help to change the world. It's beautiful to see you across my kitchen table after so many years. And hopefully then the next time we'll do it in Waltham, <laughs> Boston. Maybe not. <laughs> Who comes back to Waltham? But. Maybe a third location to, to yet be determined. Yes. Yes. Um, this is great. Yashikawa. Thank you for listening. To receive notifications of our latest podcasts, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. We welcome your feedback and thoughts on our website, anewconvo.com. That's A-N-E-W-C-O-N-V-O.com. And on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash anewconvo.com.